Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. What's up, my friends and dogs? This is Ray coming at you for lights. No, you guys didn't like that one? Whoa, that was super weird. What was weird about <laughs> it? Friends and dogs. My friends and their dogs. I think that what he's saying is everyone knows that when you listen to a podcast, you're listening to it with your dog. I do, and I don't even own a dog. I listen to Not with weird my, with my cat. Weird? I don't listen to it with my cat. He has no patience for this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, we're listening to Lights, Camera, Cobra Part 2, and uh, so we're going to pick it up halfway through. Uh, if you didn't listen to Part 1, go back and do it, you bum. I mean, what are you even waiting for? That's right. I use the typical G.I. Joe insult, you bum. Totally not going to make any sense if you listen to Part 2 instead of Part 1. I mean, it'll still be awesome on its own, self-contained, but sure. my goodness. Go I'm, back and do it. I'm guessing it was a really weird edit point last week. <laughs> uh, it probably I, cut off like in the middle of a story or something like that. If I did it, it's guaranteed, Chad. Yep. <laughs> So uh, anyway, without any further ado, or me being weird and you guys calling me out for it, here is Lights, Camera, Cobra, Part 2. Listen to it with your dog. He never gives up, he'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe will G.I. Joe. Well, the next part is very, very exciting to me because it establishes that this is a shipwreck, shipwreck. episode. And he's, and he's doing my favorite thing, which is hitting on the ladies. He's, immediately, they find him at the airport. He is making every woman in the terminal uncomfortable, <laughs> including the poor gosh darn receptionist, who's just yep. like, they're with you. Thank God. Yep. Get them him. Get that sailor away from me. Like he, yep. I mean, we saw him in the previous episode go super aggro on Scarlet and actually like physically like this is make what, me uncomfortable yes. watching watching it while he was flirting with her. This is why I maintain you have sex with Shipwreck. You do not get into a relationship with Shipwreck. <laughs> no, not a relationship guy. <laughs> no. Although, weirdly enough, uh, later on in the series, he's like one of the few people who actually like gives a real go at a relationship with oh. Mara, uh, uh, the, the, the sea creature, <laughs> and finds well, true love in his heart for her. Well, you have to understand, this was something that, that uh, Steve Gerber observed, and the moment Steve observed it, even though we had been doing it, it it just turned the light on for everybody. And I had been doing it unintentionally, but when Steve observed it, I said, yeah, that's that's perfect. He said, you write shipwreck like Popeye, you play him <laughs> like Jack Nicholson. 100%. Oh. 100%. And <laughs> I, I remember the episode, I, I forget the name of it, but I remember being given that script because we were going to use shipwreck. And... You know, we, that basically the logic was shipwreck was a pain in the butt, and they wanted to get rid of him. What better way to do so than to ship him off for Hollywood yeah. as a, a um, um, what do you call it, a, a technical advisor? Yeah. 
<laughs> so I had read that script, and I, I had the same feeling you did. This is it's a little icky. I mean, this is not. It's it was too too within the realm of plausibility. You know, there really are guys like that, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. So when I got the chance to handle shipwreck, and boy, that sounds disgusting. Uh, <laughs> oh no, Gina's into it. Don't worry. <laughs> when I got a chance to do shipwreck again, Gina's into yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, there's no way over. Anyway, um, I said, go over the top. He has got to be a parody, and and not merely a parody, but a conscious, knowing parody. The shipwreck persona is something he puts on. That's something he does. He is fully aware of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so he goes full bore. And, and that gives him a lot of freedom, a lot of, of leeway and whatnot that, that um, he can get away with. Mm-hmm. One of the things in the, the upcoming Kindle World's book I'm doing, The Most Dangerous Man in the World. Yes, we are also covering how Shipwreck gets in to G.I. Joe. Oh, uh, I'm in. And how he stays in G.I. <laughs> yes. Joe. Yes. And I it like it. boils down to this. He is the luckiest son of a bitch <laughs> on the planet. You put him in a disastrous situation, he will survive. No matter how terrible it is, he will find a way of surviving. And if you're lucky, you can survive with him. Right. And they recognize this. They recognize, you know, he's he is... No good from a conventional point of view, but he's lucky. Keep him around. <laughs> That's and why you send him out in a trouble bubble in the middle of the desert. Yeah, exactly. a sailor. Yeah, you know. He does have incredible luck. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's the joke. I mean, that's that's what we played, you know, with the series. Once we uncovered that, mm-hmm. then he became much easier to write. He became much less. He became more outrageous but less offensive <laughs> and more know. fun and more yeah. fun. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, he says the thing about Duke, Duke wanted the oddballs out of his hair. Yeah. Yeah. And I was looking at the crew at the group <laughs> and and here's the thing. I'm terrible at keeping the characters straight. Mm-hmm. There's an Irish guy. Who's the Irish guy? The Irish. There's oh, you're talking about the uh, uh, the the flamethrower. Oh, blowtorch. Blowtorch is there. And then Cover Girl, who Cover I don't Girl. consider an oddball. I think that Duke just hated her as much as we do. But this is... No, no, this no, is no, the, no, 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 Scarlet hated her. Oh. That's why she gets shipped oh, up. That's oh, the real so truth. It is, it is understandable because she is the most boring, shrewish woman. But right. also, this is the one place where she can actually do her thing. I know. She's, yeah. she's a such expert. a buzzkill. They work it in, and this is great because she's a makeup expert, and Zartan later that's in the episode true. figures it out. That's why true. would they need a makeup expert unless they were doing she, Hollywood stuff? Just every line she says, I go, ugh. It's like, it's like you're... It's like you're having a picnic outside, and your mom is like, "Don't forget to use your napkin." <laughs> and just everything you do, she's like, "Oh, watch the glass on." And it's like, "Okay, Cover Girl, we got it. Just let us have fun for and a little while." And you are right, Cover Girl. But come on. <laughs> well, she had to. She had to play against shipwreck. Right. You know, That's, you, you yeah. needed as far as shipwreck goes in his direction. You needed someone who went in the opposite direction as the counterbalance. That's to that. the two people that Shipwreck mm-hmm. often gets paired off with were Cover Girl and Snake Eyes, yeah. which I think were very mm-hmm. specific choices. Yeah, because Snake Eyes is cool all the time and doesn't need to say a word, so Shipwreck can talk, and Cover Girl can be there on the other side of it to be like, "You're going too far." Shut up already, Shipwreck. <laughs> and she can be the fun police. And I think that's the kind of character, though, that Shipwreck needs to be hanging out with. 100%. What, what would your reaction be if I told you the opening scene in The Most Dangerous Man in the World is 
Snake Eyes and Shipwreck against uh, the what's the Cobra counterpart of Snake Eyes? Uh, Storm, oh, Shadow. Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. Yeah, I love it. I, I love, love it. I'm on I love any <laughs> scene. I love any scene. Well, that's... with Shipwreck and and Snake and, Eyes. And Snake Eyes. Yeah. It's and, the and Storm opening. Shadow's great too because he brings a quiet, subdued class to it that mm-hmm. Shipwreck would never know. <laughs> it's it's the opening scene, and I love and, it. Uh, I hope I hope it lives up to what I hope it will live up to. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, Cover Girl was that way a, a little more so in this episode than other uh-huh. episodes because we had to balance out shipwreck. Pa- Polly was suspiciously Polly was, well amazing. because Polly isn't an oddball. They like Polly. Yeah. Yeah. Polly, <laughs> Polly around the base. <laughs> Polly <laughs> say, "Screw you, guys." Now we had we we not in this episode, but we we tried to figure out a way of working in the line. No, the parrot is cool because that's like the punchline of a dirty joke. But we could not figure out a way of getting that line in, and we never were able to use it. Or maybe Polly couldn't go because he's got his big date with Satin. Yeah, yeah, that's because you know he was he was on board to get it. Now there's an interesting thing here, and my conspiracy nutball Alex Jones thing popped out here because uh, uh, the, they say we have government. Government loaned Cobra equipment. Why does the government have Cobra equipment? They that's captured it. Yeah. They captured it. Now that's the obvious choice. <laughs> I'd like to say you were talking before about a superpower propping up Cobra. Yeah. What if it's our very own United States of America? <laughs> we are making them the Cobra equipment on these uh, 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 black ops government contracts and actually funding Cobra ourselves. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> and chemtrails. I got some things to say. <laughs> um, the the movie. The movie. Um, Battle of Britain. When they were when they were filming it, they were they had to get these vintage aircraft, and so they're they're like scouring England for for every workable Spitfire and Hawker Hurricane and whatnot that was available, and uh, they had to rebuild a couple of them. And they were saying, "Where can we find the German Air Force?" And someone said, well, you can rent the Spanish Air Force because the Germans gave them, like, all these Focke-Wolfs oh, and Mercer Schmitz <laughs> and everything else, and they're still using them. I love it. <laughs> and so, so basically, maybe in this universe, the yeah. U.S. Army is actually rolling around in his tanks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and other such equipment. Um, so Shipwreck comes up with a brilliant plan. Because Shipwreck's there five seconds on set, and he's like, fuck it. He, I'm al- a- he already wants to party. <laughs> I got to go. He already yeah. wants to party. So he makes up um, smoke shifters. <laughs> we need the smoke shift. What do you guys doing if we don't have the smoke shifters it's a smart plan yeah. it's a brilliant plan and it works 100% because uh-huh. Shipwreck yeah. is the man so they give him money I love the fact that the director's like oh my god we need smoke shifters give him money give him a truck send him down into Hollywood <laughs> what's a smoke shifter don't care he's fine take yeah. it I want to know how much money he could have spent at that pool I'm hall. guessing $10,000 <laughs> drinks for everybody all night long yeah. well he wouldn't be getting into a fight if he bought drinks for everybody for the record you never no. know I think he got into a fight because he hit on someone's girl Friend. Yes. Well, yeah. that's uh, yeah. okay. expected. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I know, it's shipwrecked. Even yeah. still, if it's if it's an open bar, if he's just saying everybody gets drinks all around, you kind of let oh, him touch your butt. Oh, you let him. Yeah. This yeah. is this is a now we just learned the price for your girlfriend, <laughs> Chan. We just learned the price for your girlfriend. Okay. To be fair, top shelf. I am getting top shelf uh, if, at this open bar, this hypothetical. Buy me bar. some whiskey and you can touch your butt. Weirdly enough, Buzz brought the rye bullet uh, with yeah. him today. So, uh, oh, Sarah. Sorry, no. sorry babe. <laughs> um, at which point, Zartan springs his trap on Dusty and Rakondo. And I just love, he just shows up. He's like, hey, 
hey, um, you're you're equipment's a piece of shit. How, What's up? How dumb is Ricondo <laughs> that there's a guy with a very specific voice and a very specific <laughs> face, and he thinks like, oh, this actor is a pretty good actor. Hey, he wait was, a minute, it's Hollywood. <laughs> Every other actor on this set is garbage, except for this one. <laughs> and he has the exact same Zartan laugh, but, <laughs> but it's it, probably an actor. <laughs> it it. Believe it or not, this is one of the few things where you, you find in the real world the sort of stuff happens more than you realize. There's any number of times where, where escaped criminals or people who you would figure the police should know who they are looking for. <laughs> Literally walk up to the police, have a conversation <laughs> with them, and go on. And it's just, it's like if you're, if you, it, it's the old hide and play in plain sight thing. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a great movie called The Stuntman. And in the, it opens with um, uh, Steve Railsback has, has just escaped from being arrested. Uh, he's got every cop in the, the country pursuing him. And he, is, he has found his way down to San Diego, where he, is, um, he encounters uh, Peter O'Toole directing a movie. And Peter O'Toole is this insane director. We're, we've got a theme going here. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's, O'Toole has just killed the stuntman that he has and lost the body. Ooh. And the police are showing up highly pissed, determined to arrest somebody for something. And so O'Toole notices that Railsback has still got the handcuffs on. I mean, he's got them cut, but he's still wearing the bracelets. And he says to Railsback, he says, if you will listen, I can get you out of this, but you have to listen. And um, Railsback doesn't know what's going to happen. And so he's standing there and the cops come up ranting and raving and they're saying, you know, tell me what, what happened to the guy in the car that went off the bridge and whatnot. And so, well, I can't tell you, but he can. And he points right at Railsback. And Railsback goes, wait, 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 wait. And he says, shut up, Lucky. And I forget if that was the character's name or not, but he says, shut up. And he says, you did this. You did that. You blew this thing. And all of a sudden, the cops are not seeing an escaped violent felon. They are seeing a stuntman who screwed up. And it becomes impossible for them to right. see the very guy that they're supposed to be searching for standing right in front of them. So it's it's entirely possible you're 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 someplace you're you're in Hollywood yeah it's a crappy production and whatnot it's not very realistic and this one guy comes up and it's like wow he nailed it everybody else sucks but that guy nailed it yeah. fair enough this is clearly Zartan's best acting performance we've seen thus far yeah. and That's will true. ever see he's so good At he's playing like, himself he's yeah. like improvising he's like working the vehicles into it like That's true. his space work is on point. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and this just goes to point. GI Joe is so irresponsible. Even if, <laughs> at face value, an actor comes up and says, "Hey, your stuff's a piece of crap." You know what? Let's do a midnight race through the desert <laughs> and not tell anyone. I mean, GI Joe. I mean, they're just they're prone to bad decisions. Here's the thing: no, almost no, no. as much as Cobra is. No, no, no. If someone says, "Do you want to go on a midnight race?" Sure. But if they then follow it with a, <laughs> that's the point where you should probably say, okay, something. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Remember though that our audience was like twelve years old. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm being oh, serious no. about oh, this. No. We we spoke earlier about at a, at a certain point you have to let logic. That's oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fall off. by the side. We just enjoy. You could you could <laughs> provoke a twelve year old boy into making a decision like that. A twelve year old boy watching that. We go, yeah, I might have fallen for that. I might have gone along with it. Yeah. You know, somebody else would go, uh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. But, you know. I could provoke a 22-year-old man into taking a midnight race. Uh, you could provoke <laughs> me right now. 
I'll just put it out I, there. I feel like there are a lot of men that would be like, yes, this sounds like fun. Watch any one of those uh, Orange County Choppers things. You tell me that there are not grown men who would 100% fall for this. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm just saying they should be trained not to. But they fall to their base instincts. Uh, well, we cut over to Shipwreck in the pool hall fight. Again, we think it's female related. Yeah. He yeah. obviously said something, touched something. He pulled that scarlet move where he grabbed her arm and started yanking her towards him. And, and there's some guy's biker girlfriend, you know. Yeah. Uh, and really I, do, not I do like to imagine, uh, because Hollywood now, it's a pretty decent place. If you go along Hollywood Boulevard, um, you know, like there's like crazy looking people, but for the most part, it's a it's a pretty civilized area. Nope. But I would disagree with you. You have 100%. not you have not been a girl walking down Hollywood Boulevard. I will grant you. <laughs> you did not walk down Hollywood Boulevard in the late seventies, early eighties. <laughs> that's either. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying like thirty, forty years ago. I'm not gonna lie. I, don't, I haven't seen much up. that's changed since then and now. Because if you go it, into any one of the dive bars on the fringes of Hollywood, you will walk into this exact bar for 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 the audiences at home. If you are on the main thoroughfare, actual Hollywood itself, mm-hmm. near um, Highland and Hollywood, uh-huh. right there. If you're if you're from Musso and Frank over to um, where do they have the four statues at, at the opposite end? But anyway, oh, yeah, if you're on yeah, the main, uh, if you're yeah. on the, the the Walk of Fame, if you're on yeah. the Star uh-huh. Walk of Fame, and you're on the main street, you're safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. There's enough. Generally people, speaking, not lately. You're, you're, I got licked a couple months ago, guys. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> you're generally safe, but you get the moment you take six steps off into a side street, mm-hmm. it's oh. an entirely different. Yeah. You mean like where right. Second City is? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a great moment that happens, and it was one of those moments that just made me just like just like have a, a fit of giggles. And that's Torch is the one the dreadnought Torch is the one responsible guy who calls the police in the middle of the <laughs> the biker fight. Hello. I'd like to report a disturbance at the bar. And it's like the least responsible member of the Dreadnoughts is the most responsible person in this bar. I mean, he's not doing it to be responsible. He's doing it as part of his sure. grand scheme. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, the the enormous dude who picks him up and flings him out the window, could, why doesn't Sartan just hire him instead? Right. That guy oh. looks just like Torch. That dude looks way more effective. <laughs> he's got the skull necklace. He's got the glasses. It's like, hey, here's foot taller Torch to kick his ass. <laughs> That's true. Um, at this point, Zart- we're back to the set right now because Zartan has ditched the guys. He's, his plan mm-hmm. has worked. And so he shows up and immediately forgets what his entire job was on point because he's Zartan and he's got to screw up at some point. His job is to is to send the fire bat back to base. Instead, he sets an explosive charge to it. That's his first go-to in his mission to recover the fire bat. He tries to destroy it. It's, it there's actually an explanation for that. Oh, good. The... The explanation is is that the original idea was that that he gets a two part order. It's like either recover okay. it or oh. blow it up. Gotcha. So okay. so that was originally in there, and and when it comes time to cut stuff, because it's got to fit exactly <laughs> right. in this space. We often say a yeah. GI Joe episode is twenty nine minutes crammed into twenty one and a half yes. of actual show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense right there, because yeah. it was yeah. very odd, because his marching order, as far as we know, <laughs> send it back. He first thing he does, he walks over, he's like, I'm going to get rid of this thing right here, set up an explosive <laughs> to it, and blow it up. And, and at which point, this giant explosions are happening everywhere, mm-hmm. like they're trying to kill the director, there's fighting, there's lasers, yeah. There's and, and the director has four cameras pointed, always rolling, <laughs> and not a single one gets but the shot. By the way, that fourth cameraman never worked again. <laughs> he never 
when he said when he looks up and he says, "Oh, that guy, his camera was destroyed. He was rolling." He goes, "I'm ready to start when you are." Let's, and I said, "Oh, he never worked again." That's the, that's the, that was the that's the classic Cecil B. DeMille joke, you know. So ready when you are. You know? <laughs> um, at which point we bail out shipwreck from jail because we alluded earlier that's where he's going. He has a line where he says to Cover Girl, "You're no fun anymore," and I wrote. When was she fun? <laughs> Did I miss an episode she where was Cover Girl was fun? <laughs> they decide immediately. They say uh, he gets back roughly one and a half seconds, and then he hears, "Hey, Dusty and Ricardo are missing." He's like, "Oh, next, next hijinks! Jump in right now!" <laughs> he immediately he doesn't even wait. He doesn't even he just hears Dusty and Ricardo. He's like, "I'll find him!" Whoop, 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 this, jumps in a flight pod and takes off. This is why I'm willing to overlook his casual misogyny, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a playful spirit because he he's so fun. He's also got ADH. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. ADD. Oh no, my most hated scene is. And now up Gina right never now. likes it when animals come to harm. So, no, uh, even cartoon animals, I can't handle. It. Dusty and Ricondo have some really cool moments. You must have a tough time with Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> they have a really cool moment where they're they're talking about being in the desert because one's a jungle fighter and one's a desert fighter, similar but different. Wet heat, dry heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Ricondo's like, I don't know how you manage out here in the desert. And Dusty's like, It's easy. You just don't move a whole lot. <laughs> You don't use a lot of energy this way because Dusty's the most mellow dude. I mean, the yes. man the man repairs refrigerators, <laughs> not usually the high stress people that go for those types of jobs mm-hmm. in the first place. And so they have a really kind of cool interplay back and forth when they're attacked by coyotes. I did like their back and forth. That was that it was, was fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then the poor coyotes show up. And then the coyotes show up, and at first it's one, they're like, ah, it's just one. We don't, There's 12 of them. Oh, also, Betsy. Super huge. Super huge coyotes. Those are <laughs> they were... like dire wolf-sized coyotes. <laughs> I'm expecting co- those coyotes to be protecting the Stark family at any point. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And so immediately Shipwreck's the one guy who finds him, because this is his episode, to shine. I, lo- mm-hmm. I love him. And, and he flies around, and instead of doing what I would do, which is just kind of shoot the lasers of the ground between them, he just starts like buzzing them. And like yeah. flying down and swooping up, and 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 they're not really pulling back as a result of his actions. They don't see it as threatening as I would. I would have run the bleep away, but I'm no coyote. <laughs> uh, I had an, an encounter once with a coyote. I we were living in um, Chatsworth. Oh sure. And I would I would walk. Went my I would um, my wife would go to work in the pre dawn hours, and I'm smart enough to know that if she's going to get up and work i had better be up doing something so i would go to the gym and i would i would she would drop me off at the gym i'd exercise and then i would walk back home and it would still be dark when i'm walking home and i'm coming up desoto and i'm getting right about where the railroad tracks are on desoto this means nothing to anybody who doesn't live i I absolutely get it yep i'm right there at the railroad tracks and i see what looks like a large dog in front of me and the dog is looking back behind itself because there's oncoming traffic and it's hearing the traffic coming. And I take a couple of steps closer and the dog turns to me and we lock eyes and I realize, holy crap, this is a coyote. I'm like 12 (laughs) feet away from a coyote. And the dog, the coyote looks at me and goes... Not this morning. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you could appreciate off. the yeah. terror of the moment, I though. could appreciate the terror of the moment. And yeah. had he had 11 friends. Yeah, you um, know. It does bear mentioning, though, that Shipwreck does get bit by one of the coyotes, who then he hoists up in the air for Gina's least favorite moment. Is And it's so amazing. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm with you it, on the animals this one time. It leads to a time, good line. It it's, leads to a good line. Because he does it and then literally pulled straight out of the Wiley Coyote Roadrunner ca- cartoons. Let's see if I can get it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He drops him into the, the exact ravine yeah. that Coyote would be dropped into a hundred thousand times <laughs> in the river underneath. We watch him fall. Watch him fall. He's still falling. Sploosh. It made At me chuckle point, despite despite the fact right? that, they, that an animal was killed. At which point animals. Shipwreck says, meep, meep. And there it is. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's just That's one of those. Funny. It's just a little moment. Mm-hmm. I it's love just it. It's a little thank it you. It goes back to embrace the absurdity. Yes. <laughs> okay, this, this, you know, in, in the real world, we, you know, James Bond's always cracking jokes and whatnot. And, and in the real world, if you are in a horrific situation, um, you do not tend to make one-liners. You tend to be pretty stressed out and, and whatnot. But in the G.I. Joe world, perfectly sensible. <laughs> Gotta do it. In fact, yeah. we're mad if you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is kind of like where I feel something got truncated. Because mm-hmm. the immediate next scene is Shipwreck being on the airfield with the Firebat and the Dreadnoughts. And they end up getting into a huge Wait, fight. you missed a huge part. Which is, which is Junkyard is unconscious. Excuse me, you're right. Junkyard and Mutt have been knocked out. I don't care about Mutt. I only care about Junkyard. <laughs> That's fair enough. They did, they did the little karate chop to the back of the head to both of them. Oh, that dog little, has had so many head injuries at this point. <laughs> that dog is concussed so 24-7. I'm worried but for him. I guess my question is, Shipwreck went out with the team. He he picked up two people, and he returns. He's the only guy there. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And it was just like, I just wrote in here like, where's your team? Oh, yeah. no, they're at the hospital. They, <laughs> I, I oh, yeah. believe, believe I it or not, I think that is what the okay. original idea was, was that yeah. those guys, they... The responsible members of the team got <laughs> Dusty and Rakondo to help, and they do mention it later. Yeah, okay. They mention it later that they're in the hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, the, Fair so enough. there might have been a scene that got cut, but that at yeah. least they at least they mention it this, later. This goes back to I, I I made sure somebody got seriously hurt in every episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Also, I love Shipwreck's confidence in this scene because yes. he doesn't even. There's no part of him where he's like, I can't fight four guys. No. He immediately is like, Oh, you guys are going to get hurt. He's the Agent Nine. Of, I love he it. Is. He's Cobra Guardsman Number Nine. Yeah. How, many, how many guys do you think he was fighting in that pool hall? I mean, come on. I, you mean, know. I mean, then he probably had the confidence of alcohol. Now he's fully in his senses, and oh, he's still, oh, he's no, still no, no. drunk. What makes you think he is not drunk? Oh yeah. I will. I will. I will argue that there there is not a waking moment where he isn't intoxicated. And, and let me ask the second question: Is the same true of Wild Bill? Because we have we a belief have a that Wild Bill. Theory. Wild Bill, uh, not only is he like bipolar, but he's like a day drunk who's super mellow, and then he does like cocaine <laughs> right before battle because he goes from being just like the most mellow guy on the planet to yeah, and he's just like a crazy person the rest of the time. I I did not come up with that aspect of his character, but <laughs> I I know someone who is in recovery. He's been in recovery for a long time, and congratulations to him. Yes. But he told me at one time, he said he 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 was delighted to discover cocaine because it let him stay awake longer to enjoy alcohol. <laughs> we, we, have been, we have been batting a thousand with our theories. Yes, everything we've thought everything the first 17 episodes is true. proven correct, which is awesome. Um, at which point, Shipwreck, of course, gets his ass kicked because he's, but he gets over on he, all four people he's fighting. Yeah, he holds his own so for good. a long time. Until finally superior numbers. Out. They throw him in the fire bat, do the thing they were supposed to do, send mm-hmm. the fire bat back, 
which, you know, yeah. this is the way the plan probably should have operated in the first place. Why are you going when everybody's there when you can go where nobody is there? And here is here is the James Bond reference that neither oh, of you picked okay. up on. Goldfinger. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Oh, excuse yeah. me, no, yes. No, no, no. Excuse yeah, yeah. me, yes. Yes. I expect yes. you to fry. Yes. Smart. Very yes. smart. Yes. <laughs> because they, 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 they hold shipwreck hostage on like a steel beam and shoot lasers out yeah. of them. A pool of fry oil. I loved it. <laughs> it's amazing. No, I thought that I was up molten the- metal. I love the reference and I love the slight tweak of it. And here's the deal. It could be molten metal. In my brain and heart, it will always be fry oil. <laughs> I just believe Cobra Commander's like, I have this plan. <laughs> We're going to need to buy up an entire fast food franchise worth of fry oil <laughs> in order for this stupid thing I'm going to do. But it's going to be great. You're going to love it. <laughs> I love it, man. You got you to gotta go visit a, a, a blog by a friend of mine, Mark Evanier. It's called News From Me, all one word. Uh, newsforme.com and and just uh, do a search on there for elephant story the elephant story the elephant okay. story because he it it is he had a moment where like cobra commander he just issues as a writer on pink lady and jeff he issues a nonsensical command <laughs> And a week later, an elephant appears. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great Perfect. story. You've got to read it. You oh, know? He is one of my favorites. He used to write Gru. Yes. Oh, he still geez. writes Gru. Is He's going to st- keep writing it until he gets it correct, he said. <laughs> <laughs> we come back to just kind of another weird scene because they're all out at dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle of shipwreck being captured, and they're they're the only people in the restaurant, and and I'm just like, are they on set still? Is this like a set of a restaurant? Are they actually at a place after hours? Uh, I I couldn't really figure out the location itself, mm-hmm. but they're all just sitting around calmly having dinner in the middle of this like crazy day that just <laughs> happened. All of a sudden, they can all come together and be like. And how's the family? To be fair, all of their days are crazy, and if they okay, don't unwind, they're gonna they're gonna mm-hmm. lose it. Mm-hmm. And I do actually have written right here, shipwreck is James Bond. So never mind, I did I did see it coming. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's so uh, they decide they're going to use Hollywood magic to trick Cobra, and so they dress up, I believe, Rakondo like Torch. They strap him to a thing and then have fake spikes, and they're just like, "We're going to kill him," and he's going to tell him, "Tell us where your base is," and then you better come get him, and we'll trade him for shipwreck. Very, very good plan. I enjoyed this plan. Um, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, they could have just used the real Torch, though, right? Like, I appreciate using Cover Girl for once ever for good, but <laughs> they weren't actually hurting him. They could have told him the stuff was real. Oh, they because. Pro- they did have him at some Because they had him there the whole time. They also, had him captured because he was arrested with everybody you, else. you never know what captives are going to say. Like, he could very well just be like, they're not, you know, they're not going to do it. I, like, I guess, but can't, to me, Torch is not the guy who's going to be like, uh, 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 Cobra Commander, it's okay. Let me die. <laughs> I <laughs> believe. Also, also, it's not, like, Cobra Commander doesn't care if Torch dies. He just doesn't want him to spill his secrets. And that's that's what's so exciting about the very next scene, <laughs> because Cobra Commander's like, unless you uh release our our captive torch and torch is like he knows who i am (laughs) he cares about me (laughs) and it's the most pure innocent childlike (laughs) moment and it's beautiful because it's it's like it's it's validation for torch's whole life you have to understand that's part of the thing about the the dreadnoughts is that there is underneath all that goofiness (laughs) yes there there are actually like these they're basically little kids yes and and that's one of the reasons why they're popular is because little kids look at them and they can yeah I can kind of go along with uh-huh. that and <laughs> and uh, without doing it I mean we obviously had no idea that it would end up in a Mad Max movie 
But there's the scene in the last Mad Max movie. He looked in my direction. He looked in my direction. Yeah. You know? it's the same energy. You know? Exactly. Um, it's, it's it's just so great because, and that's also the same reason why you never let the dreadnoughts watch your prisoners. <laughs> Yet it happens every other episode. <laughs> Man, we've got we've got a whole group of people. We have we have a thousand Cobra guys on tour. We got to watch these two people. Make sure they don't get away. Make sure nothing goes wrong. Let's put the least responsible people on set in order to put them over there. Because, and it's because otherwise you don't have a show that's exactly right <laughs> yes and this is where cobra commander has in reality like one of the worst plans if you if you break it down a little bit because uh, he's like we got to get torch i'm no dummy i'll take shipwreck he brings shipwreck in his own pod first off we've already established these things can fly by remote control but cobra <laughs> commander's like i gotta do this myself i am tired of you guys screwing up my plan it's because he's a 12 year old boy true. well no no there's there's another reason for that and it's an actually a logical one yes the drawback of the things coming back automatically is that if they ever lose one and somebody figures out it's there, right. then they have oh. a direct route in. Mm-hmm. Right. So he has to fly it because he has one that doesn't have the mechanism in it. Because that's the whole reason we have a show in the first exactly. place is because mm-hmm. they have to recover it. Right. Yeah. Um, but he, I guess he could have sent it with Destro or just anybody who wasn't leading the entire operation. But Cobra Commander <laughs> doesn't think like that. Mm-hmm. Cobra Commander James says, C. Kirk didn't be think like that. <laughs> Come on. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, my God. Cobra Commander is the James T. Kirk of the G.I. Joe universe. <laughs> it's kind of true. Yeah. 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 Um, at which point we have our giant fights because they, they, he drops down with a fire bat but leaves all the other fire bats in rotation in the sky. Yeah. And I'm like, don't you like bring the whole entourage down, at least half of them with you? He says no. They have a great back and forth where they're just like, he's just, they're, <laughs> it's just so pure because they say, okay, if you give us shipwreck, then we'll, 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 we'll give you back torch. He just looks at me and just goes, no. <laughs> and I'm done talking. <laughs> he had nothing more to add to that. Yeah. Any other weaker villain would have been like, no, because blah, blah, blah. No, he's just like, uh, no. He knows it's a stupid plan. What's up now? He knows that they, w- they, that they <laughs> wouldn't so have kept their word. Um, at which point we have our gigantic battle scene is, is Shipwreck knocks Cobra Commander, leading to me the scream that I love so much. You guys are not on board with this like I am. I don't think it's as great as uh, you think it is. He's had a lot of good screams. It's just so uh, blood curdling and amazing. Here's the deal: uh, uh, when when you have a chance to hear this, put the headphones on, okay. crank it up okay. a little bit, and really just like a great Sit opera, you it. just take in the sounds. Because <laughs> yep. I don't think we can do it justice on Chan's laptop Dolby right now. Surround. It was it mm. was heavenly magic. <laughs> I, I, we're right on top of the point, uh, which is my favorite line of uh, the episode. One of my favorite of the yeah. uh, Astro saves him. Uh, yes. No, it's this one here. Oh. Blast them into eternity, scatter their bones at my feet. That is 100%. Uh, you're saying embrace the absurdity. Mm-hmm. Like every yeah. time Cobra Commander is in one of your episodes, I always notice because he sounds like a Conan villain. <laughs> and he's like yes. seriously legit. I see just straight up like Shakespeare when I hear him say yeah. things like it's, that. He's, 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 he's a terrifying madman you know. in, in, yes. in these episodes, and I dig it. Now, there's, now i got to ask this question because there, there was a weird thing that happens at, at the very end right here, and I, I think I know why, but I just want to verify with you. Um, 
do the actors who are dressed like GI Joes just join in the battle? Yes, they do. Okay, because there's a there's like it's like a two second shot. It's bazooka shooting a bazooka, but it's a huge Terry Crews like black dude <laughs> wearing the bazooka outfit. And at first, I'm just like, wait, what? I'm sorry, what did I just see right there? I had to rewind it. And sure enough, it's this jacked up dude. You can see it at home when you when you're watching it. And, and, and I'm just like, he must be the actor they wrongly cast to play bazooka because otherwise the animators got some splaining to do. <laughs> well, we, um, yes, it was, it was the actors joining in on the fight okay, and, excellent. and Good that was, them. that was in the script. And again, to fit it into the 21 and a half minute, uh, time right. frame, that's mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have mistakes in animation and the, the typical animation mistake is a coloring mistake. Mm-hmm. It's a timing mistake. It's it's a character who appears to be floating above the ground sure. rather than standing on it. Right. And we, 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 we had noticed like some costume changes from just one shot yeah, and they're back yeah. again. Well, in in um, in the GI Joe movie, um, uh, Zartana, she's taking in, in disguise. She's taking off the sundress. The moment the sundress comes off, all of a sudden she's wearing a sports bra that she didn't <laughs> have on before. Okay. Uh, but th- unfortunately, <laughs> might I add, well, it was originally it was originally going to be at least from the rear a topless scene. There oh. was not going to be actual on-screen nudity, but we were going to have at least me that. would have yeah. loved that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Betty Boop got away with it all the time. That's so. true. That's true. Um, the biggest mistake we had was that was not an animation mistake, but it involved the dreadnoughts. And, oh, really? Um, it was not in this episode. It was in it was in a later episode. And I, I don't know if I, it was a script that I had written or I was rewriting, but <clears throat> Zartan and Buzzer and Ripper, I think, are having an argument. And they're standing in the middle of an airstrip, and Zartan and Ripper are arguing with one another in the beginning of the scene, and then um, uh, Buzzer joins in at the very end and makes a comment. And so I'm writing this thing, and you know, at, at this point, we had evolved from directing on paper to doing G.I. Joe more as a live-action script very cool. and letting yeah. the storyboard artists break it down. Mm-hmm. So I'm not directing on paper, and I'm just typing this as I'm going along, and to indicate that Buzzer is now interjecting himself into the argument, I type in, Buzzer sticks his oar in the water, meaning, you know, he's contributing. We get the storyboards back, and all of a sudden there is a creek running right across the airstrip, and Buzzer's standing there with an oar that he sticks in the water. And I, that is amazing. I have to call up the, the uh, storyboard guys and say, "Oops, my bad. Uh, I did not mean that literally." And you know, and they said, "Well, we didn't think it made much sense, but you know, <laughs> that's what you want, boss." We'll go yeah, ahead, exactly. Oh. We'll go ahead and do it. And I, 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 yeah, I said, "How do, how are you at, at drawing cars climbing up uh, diving?" <laughs> so uh, this week, previously, the end. Uh, Destro ends up saving Cobra Commander in his fire bat and has a wonderful exchange. This is my favorite. Favorite line. Well, Gina, uh, want to lay it out for us. I mean, I kind of want to hear it again. Uh, let's see, where are we? Around here? I mean, that is beautiful right there. The, the way he says you saved me is so... It's so tender. It's so tender. <laughs> like, that is that is an honest-to-God, like, and lifetime original movie, after-school special yeah, it moment. Is, it, like, reminds me of, like, a kid, like, finally sees some tenderness from his stepdad. <laughs> and he's like, you really do love me. And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> 
I only well, love my own kids. Again, uh, going back to the the crew that we had working there, and and I'm not saying this in a bragging sense, but we were very well read. We were very literate. When I was a teenager, I read Tom Hagen's Mr. Roberts, which I'm sure you've seen the movie with Henry Fonda and whatnot. The movie is based on the play, based on the novel. It is a fraction of what the novel is, as you can imagine. They have to they have to find a tight plot to stick to, and the, the novel is much more episodic. But in the novel, there's a scene where the captain his, has called up the uh, chief petty officer of the, of the ship, and uh, he's talking to him about one thing, but then the, ca- the captain starts to feel sorry for himself and is, just, is, is almost in tears. He's just really sorry, and he's, he's, he's just... He's just very upset, and he's he knows that everybody on the ship hates him. He knows that everybody despises him and holds him in contempt, and he's just wanting a little bit of reassurance. He just wants the, <laughs> the chief petty officer to say something that you're not. They don't all hate you. That's all he's looking for. And he says to the chief petty officer at the end of this, he says, well, what, what do the men really think about me? And the chief petty officer says, well, sir, they think you're a prick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful poll right there. <laughs> um, which takes us just to the very end. We have yeah. the premiere of the movie uh-huh. at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Speaking mm-hmm. of Hollywood and Highland, yeah. everybody. We get to see Shipwreck in a, in a Tux. In a Tux. And you were ready to jump in right there, I bet you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah, cleans he up good. nice. Nice. Even Covergirl was in a tux, which is nice. I know. I thought, I thought that was nice and very progressive. Mm-hmm. Very progressive. Yeah. Just let I her like be that who she is. She's still one of the guys. Well, you, ha- you have to understand that at that time, the U.S. military was was changing the dress uniforms, and they the the blue uniform, which is the fancy dress uniform, mm-hmm. is identical for male and female. Oh, okay. I didn't oh, know that. I didn't you know, know that either. So they, they had... They, if you if you are at a formal event in the military, you are wearing that uniform. There is not a skirt option, and so um, you know. To me, it was like, well, this is logical. I mean, they would all be wearing identical outfits because that yeah. makes sense. It is. Yeah, and so uh, of course the director says, "I have to thank." My mom and my dad, <laughs> like everybody would. Every director, every actor yeah. always thanks mom and dad. If they can only say, you have five seconds to thank somebody, they're not going to be like, thanks, shipwreck. Yeah. It's going to be thanks, mom and dad, because uh, of his journey, not their journey. Shipwreck needs and to sh- mellow out a little. And shipwreck gets like, he goes from zero to pissed, like, <laughs> yeah. like one second. I Does think sh- he might be bipolar. <laughs> Does he remember that they destroyed the entire studio? That they Does literally... The shipwreck more money. <laughs> also, is it a good idea to have like a secret military a movie about a secret military operation? Well, GI Joe's out in the open. Everybody knows who GI oh, Joe is. Oh, that's true. They did have that TV. Yeah. Epi- and, and let's face it, Cobra yeah. Commander appears on television roughly once a week that's true. to threaten that's the world. True. So that was what was weird to me about the yeah. twenty questions the episode. Cat's out of the bag. Was uh, uh, Hector Ramirez didn't recognize Cobra Commander when he first meets him, and it's it's just like. You realize that, like, you probably have done, like, a million stories about this guy. But it's to your point earlier, though, yeah. once you meet him face-to-face, it doesn't necessarily have to register no, right away. Yeah. No. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. That's pretty fantastic. Well, Gina, I have to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> Did we pass the Bechtel test today? 
We did not. Oh no! <laughs> I wanted this to be the the second one. There, it was Cover Girl, and, and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. She was the only girl in it. She was, yeah, not even a Baroness, uh, 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 which would have been nice. Or if she, or she could have had a minor interaction with the character, the actress that was playing her. Oh, like actress Ooh, Cover Girl. Yeah. That would have been meta. That would have been fun. Yeah. But to be <laughs> yeah. fair, there was enough important stuff that we had to cut stuff, down to twenty one. <laughs> that was not going to make the cut. That wasn't going to make the cut from twenty nine to twenty eight forty five. That no. was first on the cutting room floor. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Well, guys, that is going to wrap it up for Lights, Camera, Cobra, episode 19. Uh, until next time, I am Ray Stacanus, and I am at Almighty Ray. I'm Robert Chan. I'm at 999 RPMs. I'm Gina Ippolito, and I'm at Gina Ippy. I'm Buzz Dixon, and I am at www.buzzdixon.com, all one word. Beautiful. And also on Twitter, I may as well mention it there. I am on Twitter and Instagram as Buzz Dixon Writer. Buzz Dixon Writer. And Buzz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This has been both informative and delightful. Uh, I I mean, I feel like we've broken down this episode and learned and kind of figured out stuff more than we've even come close to doing. (laughs) And I thank you for that very much. Please join us again at some point. I'll be happy This was a hoot and a holler. (laughs) Until then, guys, thank you so much. Hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowing is half the podcast. Good night, everybody. find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? (laughs) Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com.